This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, Well, I wish I could be in a giddy mood, but I want to tell you what's taking place now economically. We're headed for a recession. We're headed for a recession. Nobody will say it. I'm going to tell you it. I've seen this before in the 1970s. We've got massive debt. The Democrats want to push through even more debt, massively expand spending, and the government at exactly the wrong time, if there's ever a right time. They want to massively increase taxes on businesses. They can't find people to work and can't find products to put on their shelves. And those that are in the food business are having to deal with shortages of food plus significant increases in food that they're able to acquire. So if you're going to place massive taxes on top of small businesses like that, you're going to put them out of business. Exactly the wrong things to do. Exactly the wrong things to do. Basically, what Biden and the Democrats in Congress are doing is they're taking a third world 
economic system and trying to impose it on the greatest economic system in the world. Pasaki said today that Biden wants, quote, fundamental change in our economy. Fundamental change in our economy only takes us in one direction when it comes to Biden and the Democrats, not to a freer, more competitive economy that grows and creates wealth and expands opportunities for all people. No, they go in the opposite direction. Fundamental change in our economy means to mimic, to copy failed economic systems. And you're seeing one taking place now. We have labor shortages. 10.5 million jobs have gone unfilled. Why? Because for the last nine months or so, we've been subsidizing welfare. We've been subsidizing unemployment. We've been subsidizing people not to work. That's why. Energy prices are going through the roof. That's to be expected. We have half as many oil rigs functioning today as we did when Joe Biden was sworn into office. And then you have investors and you have oil companies that have no intention of expanding when they are being targeted for destruction with the Green New Deal and other absurdities that the third world economic ideologues want to impose on this nation. So fossil fuels are under attack. And the Biden-Democrat Party policies are intended to kill fossil fuels. You see what's happened in Europe. This is exactly the, the position they have followed, and they're having massive shortages. Cars are in line at gas stations. There's rationing taking place in Great Britain and other countries. We don't need to to employ such tactics, such models, but we are. Nobody voted for this, but the Democrats are in power. Joe Biden is using his pen, and this is what's taking place right now. The supply chain. Did you know we have a supply chain task force? It's obviously been very quiet. I don't know what it's been doing, to tell you the truth. So the government that is causing energy prices to go through the roof, the government that's causing inflation, the government that's creating a debt that will ensure that future generations, as far as the eye can see, will be suffering under this debt, is not going to fix the supply chain system. Is there anybody in the White House who's ever worked in the supply chain? Is there anybody in the White House who's ever worked in the private sector? I mean... Industrial jobs, manufacturing jobs, shipping jobs. No, not one that I'm aware of. And yet they have their supply chain task force that's going to figure out how to improve these things. Well, we have a lot of issues, a lot of things that need to be improved, and they all come down to what? Embracing what works. Not following AOC, who has no serious work background, or Nancy Pelosi, who has no serious private sector work background, or Schumer, who was elected to public office right out of law school. These are the people we're supposed to be following. 
Bernie Sanders hates our economic system. He's never had a real job either. He's a Marxist. These are the people who are leading the country. And these are the people who are creating economic dislocation. These are the people who have driven up the cost to everybody for basic goods in this country. Food and clothing by $2,100 through inflation already. $2,100 a year. They don't have the foggiest idea what they're doing because they're ideologues. They're pushing an ideological agenda. An ideological agenda based on a theory, based on an abstraction that other countries have adopted and have made them poor and the people impoverished and have actually brought down their governing systems. Can you imagine if we didn't have a constitution? Can you imagine if we didn't have a filibuster rule? There'd be no end to this. It would be even worse, which is what the Democrats want. And so now what are they going to do? They're going to lower the amount. I told you this a month ago. I don't need a pat on the back, but I was the first to explain. They're going to bring the price down. They're going to push most of the same programs and shrine them, cut the number of years, and that's the trick. And it's a lie. And it'll be devastating for future generations. Now, Democrats apparently don't care about their kids and grandkids. That's right. Media matters. Make sure you regurgitate that. Because if they did... They wouldn't have voted for Pelosi and Schumer and Biden and all the other reprobates in the Democrat Party. If you love your kids, you don't leave them with trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. If you want to protect your kids, you don't leave them with trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. You don't steal from their futures. You don't steal their wealth, wealth that's yet to be created. But apparently that's okay. If you're a Democrat. Apparently that's all right if you're Joe Biden. Doesn't matter. We're headed for a recession. Massive debt. Incredibly high inflation. It's going to go much higher. And more and more it feels like the third world, doesn't it? You can't get a car for four months, depending on what kind of car you want. The prices have gone through the roof beyond manufacturer's suggested retail price. Can't even get a deal. They can't get chips, computer chips, for their automobiles and their, and their trucks. The price of meat's gone up. Like the third world, people now are fighting over toilet paper and paper towels. People are hoarding. We're told that you better buy your Christmas gifts now, in the middle of October, because they won't be available around Christmas. You can't even find Halloween costumes, or a lot of them anyway, we're told. This is the greatest economic system on the face of the earth. Now I'll tell you something that you won't be told. This is due in part to what these Democrat governors did during the virus. Shutting down their economies in major industrial states. New York, New Jersey, Michigan... Illinois, California, these are serious states. Shutting down these economic systems. Now people trying to play catch up. Subsidizing people not to work. Now people don't have the skills that they may otherwise have or the, or the job, the ladder on the job up that they might have otherwise had. 
I mean, I drive by McDonald's. They're offering over $15 an hour around here, almost $20 an hour. They still can't get enough people to work the fryer. That tells you a lot. We're tens of thousands short on truckers. The guys and gals who we adore here, and I've said all along, these are the people who make the country work. The truckers. We're short on truckers. Truckers have been treated like crap by the Democrats. They've been treated like crap. There's more regulations on a truck. You ever see one of these interstate trucks, 18-wheelers go by, all the numbers on the side? How many licenses they have to have? How many permits they have to have? Making it harder and harder and harder to move goods and services? Well, there you have it. And so... We're told it's the virus. Everything's the virus. Everything's the virus. Well, the economy was picking up pretty damn well under Donald Trump. And he said it would pick up. It was picking up very, very well. Early fall of 2020. There were no issues about supply chain problems or labor shortages our energy prices going through the roof, despite the fact that Donald Trump was president right in the teeth of the virus, where there were no vaccines and minimal number of therapeutics. Biden inherits the vaccines. He inherits the therapeutics. He inherits economy that's working. And what does he do immediately? Well, what did Pisaki say today? They want to fundamentally change our economy. And they are fundamentally changing our economy. Do you like it? I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. We're also involved, not in following the science, but following political trickery. Political trickery. Over 70% of the people in this country have been vaccinated. I've said this over and over again. A significant percentage of the people who have not been vaccinated have gotten the virus, have survived it, 
and have natural immunity and have the antibodies. So when you add the 70% to that significant percentage, which the CDC and Fauci and Biden and the rest refuse to do, it could be 85%, it could be 90%. A nation of 320 million people, excluding under 12 years old, to have that kind of a protection rate is very significant. It's very significant. And that's the science. Another study came out of Israel today, underscoring what the initial study said about natural immunity and antibodies being much stronger than the vaccines. Now, I'm not talking about what people need to do, how they behave. What I'm talking about is the science. If you're vaccinated, or if you've had this virus, you're as protected as you can be. The percentage of the people who are not protected, notice I said protected, not vaccinated, the percentage of people in this country who are not protected is relatively small. The purpose of a vaccine is to protect you from the virus. If somebody near you is unvaccinated and you're vaccinated, why do you care? If you've had the virus and you have these natural antibodies, immunity, why do you care? Now we're told there are some breakthroughs. Of course there's some breakthroughs. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is perfect. There are some breakthroughs. They're minuscule. Absolutely minuscule. And as minuscule as they are, their trajectory is going even down further. Now, on the other side of the ledger, we have nurses who are being fired. We have teachers who are being fired. We have medical assistants who are being fired. We have people in companies of all sorts who are being fired and let go. We have draconian requirements being dictated by the government against the United States military, where apparently hundreds of thousands of service personnel have not been vaccinated. What are you going to do? Push them all out on a dishonorable discharge? Police forces, what are you going to do? They're not following the science. And this is another hardship for the economy and certainly for these individual human beings and their families. Joe Biden said during the election that you can't mandate a vaccine. He said early in his presidency the same thing. He's obviously lying. So they screw up everything. They're not following the science. They're not following rational economics. They're not following anything but their own ideology and power demands. I'll be right back.
Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. There's our man. Fundamental change in our economy, says Pisaki. And Pelosi today at a press conference says the transformative nature of our economy. Transform, fundamentally change. American Marxism on the move, ladies and gentlemen. Cut three, go. Let me just say that at $3.5 trillion, we were doing everything well. So not a question of now we're doing it well because it's less money. But the fact is, is that if there is are fewer dollars to spend, there are choices to be made. And the mem- members have said, let's get the results that we need, but we will not diminish the transformative nature of what it is. And it is, um, uh, some members have written back to me and said, I want to do everything. So we'll have that discussion. Uh, But again, uh, in the family section of it, the transformative nature of the Biden child tax credit, child care and um, universal pre-K really go together. That's sort of a, uh, they go together. They're part of the same, uh, meeting the same need. Issues that relate to home health care. There's certain things that we, I mean, we're still talking about a couple trillion dollars, but it's not, you know, it's um, it's much less. Oh, God, just listening to her, isn't that hard? You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's what I told you. They will... uh, change names, they will aggregate programs, they will cut the number of years they claim to pay for them, but they're going to push the vast majority of their quote-unquote transformative agenda, transformative nature of their agenda, with the fundamental change in our economy. That's the plan. And my concern is many of these phony moderates, who's that guy in Northern Virginia again? What is his name? What is his name? I can't, I, I always get it wrong. Anyway, that guy, in northern, uh, excuse me, northern New Jersey, not northern Virginia. Godheimer, he's a fraud. And these others, they're going to say, see, we cut the cost, ladies and gentlemen, we cut the cost. When in fact, they're Ponziers. That's what they are. When in fact, all these phony moderates in these red districts or marginal districts or leaning purple districts are going to lie to you. And we can hope that Manchin and Cinema hold firm. It's not clear that they will if this takes place. I hope they do. They've been good so far. Because if they knock it down to $2 trillion, you've got to look at the fine print. And the fine print isn't really $2 trillion. It's going to be tens of trillions of dollars over the course of the next decade or so. That's what they're doing. And Nancy Pelosi made it abundantly clear that you, you out there who aren't billionaires and aren't millionaires, hardly, that you are going to have your bank accounts tracked. Cut one, go. One of the pay-fors in the Build Back Better bill that's been proposed is IRS cracking down on some unpaid taxes. Banks are starting to get calls from customers, and they're reporting these calls. They're concerned about this tracking of pay of transactions that is greater than $600. Um, so Americans are starting to be worried about this. Do you 
think that this pay for of, of giving the IRS more money to crack down on unpaid taxes is going to stay in the reconciliation yes. bill? And what do you say yes. to Americans yes. who are concerned yes. about that? Yes. Well, I, I, I mean, with all due respect, uh, the plural of anecdote is not data. I've said that before here. Yes, there are concerns that some people have, but if people are breaking the law and not paying their taxes, one way to track them is uh, through the banking measure. I think 600, but that's a negotiation uh, that will go on as to what the amount is. Why do but, they yeah. assume people are breaking the law because they don't want the government tracking $600 transactions, Mr. Producer? Why do they assume that the American taxpayer, they don't care that illegal aliens are breaking the law, they don't care, no, but the American taxpayer who has a checking account or a savings account that brings in $600 or spends $600, that the IRS should be able to track that, to find tax cheats? I've been warning about this for a long time. This is not aimed at rich people. This is aimed at you. All of this is aimed at you. All of it is aimed at you. Look at what's going on in the economy now. I began the program with it. That affects you more than the wealthy. Inflation affects you more than the wealthy. Lack of of uh, goods and services in your grocery stores and other places, that affects you more than the wealthy. The wealthy can afford whatever they want. American Marxism seeks to control the people, the parents, the taxpayers. It's all about attacking the great middle class in America, which Marx did not foresee. Marx thought the Industrial Revolution in America would result in, among other places, the great revolution, the Marxist revolution that he had dreamed about. But it didn't. It did the opposite. The Industrial Revolution showed how capitalism succeeds. Despite all the history books and the robber barons and so forth and so on, the fact is it created a massive middle class, wealthier than any mass population in any other country on the face of the earth. Ultimately, the American massive middle class lives better than kings and queens lived a hundred years ago. Just a hundred years ago. With all kinds of foods and drinks and so forth and so on and major supermarkets and warehouse stores except when the government steps in through economic dislocation, redistribution of wealth, massive taxation, massive regulations, pushing this ideology, this American Marxism ideology. And so they want to control you. That's what they're doing with the mandates. That's what they want to do. They have the IRS. Do you trust the IRS after the Obama administration weaponized it against the Tea Party? The IRS is a very dangerous agency. It's not one the founders ever contemplated. It's a very, very dangerous agency. And to give it the authority to monitor your bank accounts. Oh, we're only interested in the rich. Then why are you starting at $600? Don't buy it. I'm telling you now. It has nothing to do with the rich. It has everything to do with you. 
Now, she's got more on her mind, does Pelosi, as small as it is. Let's go to uh, cut five, Mr. Producer. Go. But it was to to um, the, the manifestation of it now, Mr. Yarmouth and Mr. Um, Boyle. Hey, first of all, you can see that Biden isn't the only one with uh, cognitive issues. The Speaker of the House can barely speak, despite her title. And what she's trying to mumble through here, she's talking about the enabling the Treasury to raise the debt ceiling on its own. Can you imagine? Go ahead. Puts the responsibility on the Secretary of the Treasury to make the determination to lift the debt ceiling. That decision could be overruled by the Congress. It would take 60 votes under the present custom, but nonetheless, Congress would have to overrule that. That seems Well, Congress to- wouldn't if they got rid of the filibuster rule, which would come next. You see, folks, for these Democrats, for the American Marxists, there's never enough money, there's never enough borrowing, there's never enough debt, there's never enough spending. Because their ideological paradise is an impossibility. It's an impossibility. You're never going to wipe out all poverty. You're never going to make all sick people well. You're never going to have the kind of equality that they spout, even in the worst kind of regime, like North Korea. It just doesn't exist. And so we have these barriers to protect us from people like this, from tyrants, from totalitarians, and they seek to destroy every one of these barriers whether it's spending or whether it's the culture, whatever it is. Because these people are not substantive people. That is, they're not realistic, reasonable people. You can point example after example of how this Marxist ideology, in one form or another, has applied throughout the world, has destroyed liberty, has destroyed representative government, has destroyed economies, has impoverished people, has resulted in people being uh, servants to the cause. You will not find a single Marxist government anywhere in the world that has accomplished anything that Marx said it would accomplish. Period. There's no withering away of government. The centralized police state is more horrific than even imaginable than even imaginable. Human beings do not behave as Marx insisted they must. And Americans don't behave as Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, and the other American Marxists insist we must. That's why you see so much resistance, whether it's at school board meetings, whether it's about mandates, and everything else. I'll be right back. in. Finally, and I promise I will move on from this, but this is a big deal. This bill they want to push through is going to change your life. It's going to drag down the economy even more. 
And so it's required that I spend some time on this. I said Pasaki was talking about fundamental change in the economy. Well, here she is today. Cut six, go. The president wants to make fundamental change in our economy, and he feels coming out of the pandemic is exactly the time to do that. So there you go. There you go. Our economy needs to be fundamentally changed. needs to come more in line with the, the Marxist model. Not in every technical sense, obviously. But the Democrats never push for freedom. They never push for individuality and free will and competition. They never push for fiscal responsibility. They never embrace free market capitalism, ever. In other words, those things that have made us such a strong country. They don't even embrace representative government. They don't even embrace representative government. And so they talk about climate change. First of all, they say it's a crisis. There is no climate change crisis. There's no climate change crisis. That's number one. Number two, if there was a climate change crisis, there's not a damn thing we mere mortals can do about it. Nothing. Number three, what is a climate change crisis? What does that mean? What does that mean? How is that measured? It's a phony science. It's just the next American Marxist movement born out of the 70s in Europe, the degrowth movement. They finally came up with a nomenclature that's catchy. Climate change. What are we going to do about it? The Green New Deal by people who've never done a damn thing in their lives to improve this country. But this is what they plan to do. It all sounds so great, doesn't it? Of course it does. But we reject it. Because we know what they intend to do with it. It's destroy your lifestyle. Make you more of a servant of the federal government. Now, I want to spend more time on this in the second hour. I thought about leading with this, but I felt it was very, very important to get into what's going on, what people want to do to your lives. You know, Congress was never set up to be able to have this kind of power over your life. But here we are. Here we are. The presidency was never set up that through executive orders a president could have so much power over your life. And of course, you won't find the massive administrative state anywhere in the Constitution. And yet all these elements come together to rule over you. To try and tell you how to live your life. You're an adult. You're supposed to be able to make decisions for yourself. You're an American. You're supposed to be free to make decisions for yourself. But that's clearly not the case in many respects anymore because your betters, by self-identification and self-aggrandizement, think they know better than you. And again, that's the notion of American Marxism. But what I was talking about was the Loudoun County Schools. I don't know what you've heard today. I don't know what you've read today, but you haven't heard me discuss this. And of course, we've been at the point of the spear on this critical race theory and genderism issue what's been going on in our school districts for a long, long time. And you remember that 
that video of that middle-aged gentleman, that middle-aged gentleman didn't seem to be that tall, didn't seem to be terribly in shape, and I'm not doing this to put him down in any respect, but you remember him? He wanted to speak at the Loudoun County Board meeting, and for reasons I still don't understand, he wasn't permitted. And then the Loudoun County's sheriffs, who were there at the time, accused him of disorder and trespassing, and literally wrestled him to the ground. A man that hadn't broken any law, a man who wanted an opportunity to speak to his elected representatives, a man who hadn't shown any tendency toward violence, any threats, he wanted to speak. But he was pushed to the ground by the sheriffs and taken away because the board members didn't want to hear from him. Now I think we know why the board members didn't want to hear from him, and I think we know why the board wanted to silence him. When we come back, I want to discuss this with you because it is, it is both shocking and unacceptable. The gentleman's name was Scott Smith, is Scott Smith. And they use that video all across the nation, on the left and in the media, to show how they had to bring the FBI in, of course. Be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. This gentleman, citizen of Loudoun County, taxpayer, parent, Scott Smith. His face has been shown all over the world. It's been used by the Biden administration and Democrats and their surrogates in the media as an example of violence, as an example of why the FBI and the National Security Unit and the Criminal Division and all the rest need to have an unconstitutional role in watching our school board meetings and our parents and our taxpayers. I want to tell you a little bit about this gentleman. I mean, they, they almost took his shirt off while they were apprehending him. They arrested him, I'm sad to say. And I think of the Washington Examiner, Beckett Adams, did a very good job of summing it up. He wrote, Scott Smith was arrested on June 22 at a school board meeting, Loudoun County, Virginia, that was deemed an unlawful assembly, quote-unquote, after attendees voiced opposition to a proposed policy expanding special protections to transgender students. Smith was dragged from the event in handcuffs, his pants falling down, his lip bleeding. He was charged later with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. 
Smith's arrest soon became a national story. The small business owner became an avatar, an avatar of anti-school board protests, representing the unruly and ignorant anti-mask, anti-critical race theory, and anti-transgender parents in their crusade against the progressive put upon school officials. What few knew until now is that Smith attended the June 22 hearing to confront school board member over his daughter's alleged rape in a school bathroom by a, quote, gender-fluid, unquote, boy. As I understand it, this took place in a high school, Stone Ridge High School, which is where my kids went to high school. The details apparently don't matter to the National School Board Association. In a letter to the White House this month, it actually highlighted Smith's arrest as an example why federal law enforcement agencies need to investigate and prosecute parents who oppose mask mandates and the teaching of critical race theory. Quote, as these acts of malice, violence, and threats against public school officials have increased, the group's letter to the president said, the classification of these heinous actions could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. It adds, we request a joint expedited review by the U.S. Departments of Justice, Education, Homeland Security, along with appropriate training, coordination, investigations, and enforcement mechanisms from the FBI, including any technical assistance necessary from and state and local coordination with its National Security Branch and Counterterrorism Division, as well as any other federal agency with relevant jurisdictional authority and oversight. And as I pointed out, um, this was a uh, coordinated effort, um, as pointed out by uh, a wonderful legal foundation. Coordinated effort by the White House Department of Justice and the National School Board Association, among others. The Department of Justice announced last week it would mobilize the federal law enforcement apparatus against school board protesters, saying it will investigate and prosecute as necessary. And the National School Board Association letter went so far as to request the use of Bush-era anti-terrorism legislation. And in its letter, the group listed a few of the most outrageous examples of the threats and acts of violence, quote-unquote, suffered by its members. The incident involving Smith is near the top of the list. And by the way, state members of the National School Board Association were not contacted. Two of them reject the letter that was sent to the president, including the one in Virginia. On August 17, Smith was found guilty on all charges and sentenced to 10 days in jail. Quote, all suspended contingent on a year of good behavior, unquote, reports the local Loudon Now News. The top prosecutor on the case, Commonwealth's attorney Buta Biberaj, who ran as a pro-leniency platform, also pursued a fine and anger management training for Smith. Additional punishments the defendant's attorney found astonishing, given the 10-day sentence already seemed excessive for a man with a largely clean record. By the way, she was put in power by Soros. And she lets all kinds of criminals go, but this guy she threw the book at. It's an amazing turn of events for a father who simply tried to speak out after his daughter was raped and beaten at school in a bathroom. Smith told the Daily Wire that on May 28, quote, a boy allegedly wearing a skirt entered a girl's bathroom at nearby Stonebridge High School. 
where he sexually assaulted Smith's ninth grade daughter, unquote. The family's attorney, Elizabeth Lancaster, told the Daily Wire that a boy was charged with two counts of forcible sodomy, one count of anal sodomy, one count of forcible fellatio related to an incident that day at that school. So his daughter was raped. The sheriff's office confirmed via a public records request the existence of a report with, quote, offense, forcible sodomy and sexual battery, unquote, matching a date and location of Smith's rape. Yet on June 22nd, during the school board's hearing on the proposed policy for transgender students, school board member Beth Bartz said our students do not need to be protected and they are not in danger. Do we have assaults in our bathrooms or locker rooms regularly? The superintendent, Scott Ziegler, responded, to my knowledge, we don't have any record of assaults occurring in our restrooms. Have we had any issues involving transgender students in our bathrooms or locker rooms? Asked board chairwoman Brenda Sheridan. Said Ziegler, the superintendent, I think it's important to keep our perspective on this. We've heard it several times tonight from our public speakers, but the predator, transgender student, or person simply does not exist. Now, Mr. Smith was arrested at the hearing during heated exchange with a pro-transgender policy activist. Smith claims the woman accused him of fabricating the story of his daughter's rape, going so far as to question the girl's mental health. This obviously enraged Smith, who then called the woman a bitch. This is when law enforcement officials intervened. A police officer grabbed Smith's arm, prompting the father to yank it back. A scuffle ensued. Smith was then forcibly removed from the assembly and barred from the school board building. Loudoun County officials voted on August 11 to approve the transgender policy. Smith learned later that his daughter's alleged assailant reportedly assaulted a second girl, even though Smith was assured the relevant authorities were handling the first matter. Quote, a teenager from Ashburn has been charged with sexual battery and abduction of a fellow student at Broad Run High School. Different, obviously, than Stonebridge. The Loudoun County Sheriff's Office announced in a statement, the investigation determined on the afternoon of October 6th. The 15-year-old suspect forced the victim into an empty classroom where he held her against her will and inappropriately touched her, unquote. Smith's attorney says the suspect is the same boy who allegedly attacked her client's daughter, a fact the Daily Wire confirmed via a confidential government source. Smith said he called his probation officer and he told me, yep, I put him in juvie yesterday. The Smith fa- By the way, Mr. Smith, you should bring a massive lawsuit against the Loudoun County school system, the sheriff's office, and the school board. I'm sorry, but that's the way it goes. The Smith family also said they contacted the special victims unit detective who reportedly told them, I can't tell you what happened, but it happened and it's bad. The family said prosecutors have informed them the court date for their daughter's alleged rapist has been moved back to October 25 to accommodate the two separate charges. There's much more to this story, including details of how left-wing groups conspired to slander and abuse dissenting parents. When you talk about injustice, it doesn't get much worse than the case of Scott and Jess Smith. Their daughter was raped and beaten. 
School administrators attempted to deal quietly with the matter in-house, and then school board members denied it even happened. Smith was then bloodied and arrested for speaking out, and the county's normally lenient prosecutor threw the book at him. The Smith family then learned their daughter's rapist allegedly sexually assaulted a second girl. Now the National School Board Association is using the Smith family's tragedy as justification for mobilizing the federal government against concerned parents. It's just insult on top of insult. Unsurprisingly, the ordeal has inspired Smith to get involved in local politics, something he says he hasn't really cared about until now. You want to radicalize someone, this is how you do it. So I would encourage Mr. Smith's lawyer to bring a major lawsuit against the school district, against the school board. I would name the school board members specifically by name, against the superintendent, against the principal of Stonebridge High School, to bring a lawsuit against the sheriff's office, and if possible, a lawsuit against the prosecutor. That's what I would do if my little girl were raped and I was treated like this at a public forum. And this is the, one of the major examples used to justify the Department of Justice unconstitutionally intervening in school board meetings and violating the First Amendment, among other things. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'd love to know the name of the uh, the judge in Loudoun County who sentenced Scott Smith to. I'd love to know his name. Just some very basic inquiry on behalf of that judge. That judge would have figured out what took place. That it wasn't Mr. Smith who was the perpetrator. It was the system. It was the school board and the principal. It was the superintendent. It was the sheriffs on duty there. It was the it was the leftist woman who accused Mr. Smith's daughter of having mental issues when he dared to tell her what happened to his daughter. You see, the American Marxist is intolerant, ladies and gentlemen, and they're the ones who are violent. And they do not tolerate debate, and they do not tolerate discussion. Those of you who've read the book know exactly what I'm talking about. They don't entertain different ideas. They don't entertain anything except what it is that they want to do. And that's their position. That's their position. Look all around you. That's why when I started this book, I was just trying to to husband everything that was going on and make the case that the counter-revolution to the American Revolution is in full force. It can no longer be dismissed or ignored. For it's devouring our society and culture, swirling around our everyday lives, ubiquitous in our politics, schools, media, and entertainment. Once a mostly unrelatable, fringe, and subterranean movement, it is here, it is everywhere. 
you, your children, and your grandchildren are now immersed in it. It threatens to destroy the greatest nation ever established, along with your freedom, family, and security. Of course, the primary difference between the counter-revolution and the American Revolution is that the former seeks to destroy American society and impose autocratic rule. And the latter sought to protect American society and institute representative government. The counter-revolutionary movement of which I speak is Marxism. I've written about Marxism at length in two earlier books and discuss it regularly on my radio show and television shows, obviously the opening of American Marxism. There are untold numbers of books written about Marxism, but the application and adaption of core Marxist teachings to American society and culture, what I call American Marxism, must be addressed and confronted, lest we are smothered by its modern manifestations. And make no mistake, the situation today is dire. It's dire. In America, many Marxists cloak themselves in phrases like progressives, democratic socialists, social activists, and community activists, as most Americans remain openly hostile to the name Marxism. They operate under myriad newly minted organizational or identifying nomenclatures such as Black Lives Matter, Antifa, The Squad, and so forth. And they claim to promote economic justice, environmental justice, racial equity, gender equity. They've invented new theories like critical race theory and phrases and terminologies linked to or fit into a Marxist construct. They claim the dominant culture, quote-unquote, and capitalist system are unjust and inequitable, racist and sexist, colonialist and imperialist, materialistic and destructive of the environment. But the purpose is to tear down and tear apart the nation for a thousand reasons and in a thousand ways, thereby dispiriting and demoralizing the public, undermining the citizenry's confidence in the nation's institutions, traditions, and customs creating one calamity after another, weakening the nation from within and ultimately destroying what we know as American republicanism and capitalism. There should be no mistake. The various leaders of this counter-revolution are increasingly outspoken and brazen about who they are, including bands of openly Marxist professors and activists, and they are supported by a core group of zombie-like woke followers. Whatever their labels and self-descriptions, the essential characteristics of their beliefs, statements, and policies exhibit core Marxist dogma. They occupy our colleges and universities, newsrooms and social media, boardrooms and entertainment. Their ideas are prominent within the Democratic Party and Oval Office and the halls of Congress. Their influence is seen and felt among the mostly witting as well as the unsuspecting, in a news reporting, movies, television shows, and commercials, publishing and sports, as well as teacher training and classroom curriculum throughout America's public school system. They use the tactics of propaganda and indoctrination and demand conformity and compliance, silencing contrary voices through repressive tactics, such as the cancel culture, which destroys reputations and careers, censoring and banning mostly patriotic and contrary viewpoints on social media even including former President Donald Trump, and attacking academic freedom and intellectual exchange in higher education. They take aim at all aspects of the culture, historical monuments, including Lincoln, Washington, Douglas, 
the 54th Massachusetts Black Union Regiment, Mark Twain, Shakespeare, Mr. Dr. Seuss, and so forth. Pronouns are banned and replaced in nondescript words so as not to offend 58 flavors of general identification, gender identification. And it goes on. American Marxism. I think this, I say this unapologetically, this is the book of our times. This is a Thomas Paine pamphlet. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811. I want to join the parents of Loudoun County and demand the resignation of the school board and the resignation of the principal at Stonebridge High School and the resignation of the superintendent. Now, how could they not have known what took place in that unisex bathroom when Scott Smith's daughter was raped, a ninth grader, by a quote-unquote transgender boy who went into that bathroom wearing a skirt? That's number one. Number two, I believe the sheriff's office should be apologizing to Scott Smith for the way, in my view, that he was manhandled. That's right. I said it. Number three, the prosecutor in this case, a Soros stooge, her resignation should be demanded as well. She threw the book at Mr. Smith. He didn't hurt a soul. He dared to insist that he not be removed from the board meeting. An illegal assembly on his part, apparently. They tried to make a mockery of this man. The National School Board Association used him to try and advance their their tyrannical agenda. There's always two sides to a story, ladies and gentlemen. There's always two sides to a story, at least two sides. And now we know the side for this man, a businessman, small businessman, who's tackled to the ground, almost loses his pants and his shirt, has a bloody lip, all because he wants to go to a school board meeting, explain what took place in defense of his daughter, and explain that the transgender agenda... That the transgender agenda is not as innocent as it seems. And that superintendent and certain board members challenged people to give them one example of a violent act. Just one example. They didn't know about the example of the violent act. And so now we have this perverse situation, if you will... Where Mr. Smith's treatment is used as an example to urge Merrick Garland to throw federal law enforcement at school boards, at school board meetings, I should say, at parents. And of course, this was an inside job. 
as America First Legal exposed. An inside job. And so he should receive an apology and he should bring a very expensive lawsuit. That's what he did. And it would seem that there's a cover-up here. It really, it's really quite appalling. Jason Johnson, most of you don't know who Jason Johnson is. Jason Johnson, as I have found out recently, is a professor at Morgan State University in Maryland, the School of Global Journalism and Communications. Jason Johnson was on MSNBC yesterday, where I guess he's a regular professor. Global journalism and communication. And I want you to listen to what he says and what passes at journalism and acceptable, acceptable commentary on MSNBC. I can tell you this would not be accepted on Fox. But on MSNBC, it's okay. And I want to remind you, MSNBC is owned by Comcast. So here is this professor, Jason Johnson, of Morgan State University, Black University, School of Global Journalism and Communications. Cut 11, go. You know, look, speaking of educational opportunities, one of the other crimes that we've seen lately in the state of Texas uh, is this new book banning that they've got, mm-hmm. where they're chasing after books and they don't want kids to learn about critical race theory. That's why I have Can Jerry Kraft. Right, hold on me. a second. I thought they're not learning about critical race theory. Isn't that what they say, Mr. Producer? But they obviously are. Go ahead books for kids and these are the kinds of things they don't want but this is the thing alan west he 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 is the zeitgeist of the republican party right now they want that same kind of they they want that sort of natural all natural flavor racism but they want it in blackface with a 1990s uh flat top haircut that's what they want and that's what they can get out of alan west okay you got that this is a professor no doubt he's tenured they want who are who are they white people Who are they, Republicans? They want that same kind of, they want that sort of all-natural flavor racism. But blackface, with a 1990s flat-top haircut, that's what they want and can get out of Alan West. Do we know what program this was on, Mr. Producer? On the Joy Reid program. Who's a bigot and a homophobe. The Joy Reid program. Where if you want to hear racism, racism, 60 minutes straight, you watch her show. But this professor, Jason Johnson, is a jackass. He's a buffoon. With this kind of bigotry. And he's teaching kids. They want the same kind of, they want that sort of all natural flavor racism. But blackface with a 1990s flat-top haircut. That's what they want and can get out of Alan West. Who runs MSNBC? Do we even know, Mr. Producer? Who is the president or the CEO of MSNBC? Why isn't that individual ever focused on? Nah, he's gone, Phil Griffin, I believe. I believe he's gone, or at least he's been uh, pushed off to the side. There's somebody else. There's somebody else. Because this is the kind of racist, 
bigoted poison that you get to hear. Rashida Jones. Is this what you want, Rashida Jones? Is this okay by you? Apparently so, Rashida Jones. Apparently so. She doesn't have to answer for any of this so-called talent on her network. Disgusting attacks on other people. Natural flavor racism, but blackface with a 1990s flat top haircut. Yeah, well, he served his country. What have you done, pal? What have you done, you jerk? You jerk? What about Rashida? What's her last name? Rashida Jones. Apparently she has no standards. Boy, does MSNBC suck. Next thing you know, they'll be giving Al Sharpton a show. Oh, wait a minute. They did. Well, here's Al Sharpton on the Morning Schmo Show. Al Sharpton is so smart. He's so profound. He's so articulate. He's such a great humanitarian, as his entire career demonstrates, that the Morning Schmo wants to have him on on a regular basis. Cut 10, go. I think one of the mistakes that this White House has made, one of the mistakes Democrats have made... I think one that, of the mistakes is why... Always sounds like the guy's uh, in a constipated mode, doesn't he? Always amazing. Go ahead. Reason with anybody. They should have just, they just should have pushed these mandates through immediately. Shouldn't have done the slow roll because they're never going to win this 40%, this 43% over. And uh, how would you do it, moron? This guy's a lawyer, believe that? I don't know if he's uh, still licensed. Hopefully not. Slip and fall lawyer. Slip and fall hack on TV, that's for sure. Yeah, they should have mandated it on everybody. How about people that have had the virus, you jackass? How about them? Should they be mandated too? You damn fool. Science. He doesn't know science. The only science he knows is political science, and he doesn't know that well. But of course, he's asking Sharpton, an expert. Go ahead. You can't reason with unreasonable people. I mean, these people have dug in. That's their identity. That's who they are. The real answer is the people that supported you, the people that voted for Joe Biden, was voting for who you said you were and what you stood for, and they expected you to stand up for that unequivocally. And I think what the polls are indicating is exactly... Ah, who cares? What do you think about that, Al? Al Shaw, what do you think about that? You can't reason with unreasonable people, he says. They've dug in. Like this is a political ideological war. A lot of people refuse to be vaccinated because they've had the virus. And they have a better immunity than people that take the vaccine. That's the truth. That's the truth. But there, there you go. More standards over there at MSNBC. Joe Scarborough, who failed at radio. Al Sharpton, you know all about him. And Professor Jason Johnson... Making fun of a black man and the way he looks. What a piece of crap that guy is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. (laughs) 
so we have this situation with John Gruden and these emails. A couple of things. These emails were intended to be private. As the Washington football team came under investigation, I guess the emails became available, including to the league, including to the commissioner. And they were apparently leaked to the New York Times. These emails are vile. The things that are said in them are vile. Um, Some of the things that are said in them I've never said, certainly. Most of the things I've never said. In fact, most of them I've never thought. And now they were made public. And so I think Gruden resigned. I don't think he was fired. I think he resigned. Um, And he said he's not a racist. He's not homophobic. He's not misogynistic. I can't read his heart and I can't read his mind. I can't read his heart and I can't read his mind. So this probably ended the way it should have ended. But somebody leaked all this stuff. But we're supposed to be private emails. And I wonder if the commissioner of football had his emails leaked from over the last 10 or so years, or anybody on Park Avenue at the football headquarters, or any of the coaches, or any players, I wonder what those would say. I wonder what those would say. Now, I'm sure they wouldn't all say what Gruden said, obviously. But I wonder what they would all say. You know, uh, when I listen to people like Talib and Omar, what they say about Jews and AOC and the anti-Semites in the Democrat Party, I don't see any of them resigning. I don't see the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives and Nancy Pelosi taking any actions to expel them or to demand their resignations or even remove them from committees. I don't see that. And the things that Talib and Omar have said are deeply anti-Semitic. Deeply anti-Semitic. And nothing happens. In fact, Joe Biden embraces Talib in the airport tarmac, talking about how much he admires her. I don't hear any condemnation at CNN or MSNBC, no condemnation that I can tell from Don Lemon. No condemnation at ESPN, various sportscasters and so forth. I hear very little. I hear none. Now, that's not to say I listen 24-7. But Talib is not a persona non grata. She celebrated. Omar is not persona non grata. She celebrated. AOC is on Sunday shows constantly. She's not berated by Chuck Todd or George Stephanopoulos or the other reprobates dressed up as journalists? Why is that? Why is that? So, Gruden's out. His private emails were leaked. 
to the New York Times by somebody, obviously, who wanted him out. And the things that he said, obviously, were not intended for public consumption, but public consumption is what took place. And he left. He resigned. Talib, Omar, AOC, and others have said what they said, not in private emails, not in private communications, but openly and brazenly and repeatedly. And no backlash whatsoever, except from me. I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. We will take some calls in this hour. 877-381-3811. You've never heard of Tom Taylor either. Tom Taylor is a writer for the new Superman comic book. It's a new Superman comic book. And... um, He's very proud of what they're going to be doing with Superman now. Isn't Superman Marvel Comics, or am I wrong about that? DC, I'm sorry, DC Comics. That's, it wouldn't be Marvel. That's right. And um, I think what this will demonstrate is your kids aren't safe watching anything or reading anything. You've got to be very careful what you uh, introduce them to. This guy, Tom Taylor, is on CNN. Why? Because CNN likes what he's going to do. Well, what's he going to do? Well, let's listen. Here's Tom Taylor. Cut 18. Go. And I think the first question I had to ask myself was what does Superman, what should Superman represent today? Um, A new Superman, if you're going to make a new Superman, what should that look like? And it struck me as it would be a real opportunity lost if we had another, we had Clark Kent replaced by another straight white savior. So... Here was an opportunity to create a Superman who could represent a whole new group of people. And I think that was one that we had to leave on. And we'll be addressing modern day issues like? Like the climate crisis, like refugees. Um, John, in the last issue, has just been arrested attending a protest trying to stop the refoulement of asylum seekers. Um, he does 45 minutes of hard time is how he puts it. Uh, but as a, as a stand, it's a very powerful thing. Hmm. Isn't Superman going to be bisexual? Did I hear that too, Mr. Producer? He is. Or, and that's a protected civil right, being bisexual. Okay, so that's now Superman. Superman. Okay, what are they going to do with Wonder Woman? They're going to make us wonder? What are they going to do with Wonder Woman? That is a... What are they going to call her? A birthing person woman? I mean, I don't even know what they're going to do. It gets very complicated. But this is the culture. This is what I've been talking about, the culture. 
And uh, this is, I mean, my grandkids were watching some kind of a kid show. And the next thing you know, they're talking about gay marriage. And some of you folks out there who are gay and so forth. But why introduce little kids to this stuff right now? Why introduce them to anything that's sexual related or related to anything of that sort? I'm just, I'm just saying. Why can't kids be kids? Critical race theory, genderism, uh, various forms of marriage. And now Superman is going to... And notice it's always the agenda of the left. Climate change crisis. Superman's going to be talking about the climate change crisis. The climate change crisis. And refugees. And amnesty. And it's always that agenda. It's always that agenda. By the way, many of you have been listening to this show for a very, very long time. And I just want you to know that my position has always been, when it comes to marriage, the states determine, not the Supreme Court. That is a federalism issue. That has always been my position. And so when Justice Kennedy, not too cleverly, but over the years, was building the case for the Supreme Court to mandate same-sex marriage, I rejected it. I, I opposed it. Because if that's what California wants to do, then California does it. Although California didn't at one point. Well, pick a state. If that's what Massachusetts wants to do, then that's what Massachusetts does. If somebody doesn't like it, they get up and move to another state that has a different viewpoint. Same with the death penalty, same with all these issues. I don't believe the court, I don't believe nine lawyers should be making such decisions for the rest of the country. I'm not taking calls on this. That's my position. So if Massachusetts permits gay marriage, same-sex marriage, so be it. If Utah does not, so be it. That's always been my position. Again, with the death penalty. I don't think the Supreme Court should be outlawing the death penalty and so forth. If Florida wants to have it, so be it. If Rhode Island doesn't want to have it, so be it. People are not stuck in these states. If they think the state is unjust or immoral or people want to do certain things that are legal in one state and illegal in another... Well, then pick your state. That's the genius of the system. That's the genius of the system. What if the Supreme Court had ruled the other way and said no on same-sex marriage for the whole country? Again, many of you will disagree with me. I don't agree with that kind of a decision either. At all. The states will decide. But apparently not anymore. So we shall see. And that's why there are these, these brutal fights over... I know I'm, I'm taking a U-turn here. But that's why there are these brutal, brutal fights over nominees to the Supreme Court. Because more and more the Supreme Court is setting cultural and social policy in this country. They basically have nationalized these issues. Whether it's prayer, where you can have prayer, what kind of prayer you can have, where the Ten Commandments can go, where they can't go. 
um, and that sort of thing. The court gets involved in all these decisions, and I don't think it should. I don't think it should. And you know, on the issue, when you look at same-sex marriage, the vast majority of states had either legalized it or were moving towards legalizing it. Things can't happen at the snap of a finger. They typically don't, particularly as things change. It's like the Lawrence decision, the sodomy decision. There were really about five states that still had that law, and none of them were going to stand for long. But that's, that case was seized upon by Justice Kennedy because he understood where he wanted to go in eight to ten years from now. I just don't agree with that kind of legislating from the bench. This is why you have the battles on the Supreme Court on Roe versus Wade. Any serious constitutionalist knows that's not a legitimate decision. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg realized it wasn't really a legitimate decision, although obviously she strongly supported the outcome. And so people who oppose abortion like me, we're never going to accept a decision like that. Ever. Ever. Well, I went off a little bit here, didn't I, Mr. Producer? But sometimes we do that sort of thing. Adam Schiff has a book out. I forget the name about saving America, but we almost lost it and we could lose it again. This guy's like the biggest sleazeball there is, and there's a lot of sleazeballs out there. He says Republicans are the insurrectionists because they tried to overturn an election. Now, this sleazeball was trying to overturn Donald Trump's election time and time and time again. And he used the sleaziest of tactics because he's a sleazeball. And the Russia collusion issue, he went into that, embraced it, and advanced that cause too. This is a man who's always been a danger to the republic. He's a danger to the republic, and he has a book out. And of course, he's on the January 6th committee with other geniuses who tried to overturn the 2016 election. And two republics who were never Trumpers. Because they want to do everything they can to stop Trump from running for president again. You know, if Trump is as bad as they say in the media, Trump is as bad as the rhinos say, the Bushies, the Cheneys, the Paul Ryans, and the list goes on. If he's as bad as they say, then why do they fear him running again? He would lose, right? Or do they not trust the Republicans to pick a solid candidate? And when you look at Trump's record, it is a fantastic record. But he's not one of them. And that's what they hate. All right, I'm rambling. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, let's take some calls. What do you say? Let's go to Jonathan Coswell, Tennessee, XM Satellite, a trucker. Jonathan, how are you, sir? How you doing, sir? It's great to talk to you, Mr. Levin. Thank uh, you. I just want to tell you, I, I went into a, or a Barnes & Noble copies audio book, and uh, I also got the Breaking the News and four copies of that and an audio book. And it, it's, I'm, I have to listen to it twice because I'm just a, 
a high school educated truck driver, and it's got a lot of stuff that I have to research and, you know, find out what it means. But my favorite chapter so far is Chapter 4, and oh, I'm actually you. on the second, going through it second time on there. Uh, but uh, Alex Carlo's book will answer some of your questions about who who's at the, uh, the media and stuff like that. He's got a lot of stuff, but... Um, now, you yeah, know, Jonathan, I've always said about this book, take your time, and you may have to go through it once or twice, or twice. And Chapter 4 is on uh, CRT and genderism and Marxism, how they all relate. And that seems to be among the favorite of a lot of folks, too. It is. And, I, you know, I, I had a dirty, you know, just FYI, you know, and I... To do my part to, you know, speak out and everything, I, you know, I had a dirty trailer. I just went up to Boston, and on the back of the trailer, you know, I wrote, you know, CR, got my glove, and I wrote CRT equals segregation. And on the other mm-hmm. side, I wrote, you know, read American Marxism by Mark Levin. <laughs> I drove up oh, to Boston with it in Tennessee. And nobody assaulted you. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, You're very, very kind, and I want to send you a copy of American Marxism, a signed copy. Thanks thanks a ton. I really appreciate that, Jonathan. Now, folks, the books are going to be a little delayed getting out because I'm getting uh, together the the book plates to sign, which I will do next week. Uh, So they'll start, those those that haven't received them, they'll start going out next week. And uh, those of you who are going to retail stores to purchase the book – you're not going to believe this. There is a paper shortage. Are you aware of this, Mr. Producer? And so the printing of books is going to become a little bit more complicated. I was just told this. So I want to encourage those of you who want to get copies for Christmas or Hanukkah or for other occasions, birthday, whatever. I'm quite serious about this. If you're not getting an ebook, if you're not getting the audio version, you want to get a hardcover version, I would suggest you get the hardcover version now and not wait. The lumber prices are through the roof, and obviously that's where paper comes from. And lumber is becoming shorter and shorter in supply. I'm telling you, it's like the third world around here. So if this is something you've been thinking about, getting a copy or giving a copy for a special occasion, as a gift, or in the holidays... Uh, this is not hype. I was told this yesterday, and I said, you got to be kidding me. He said, nope. I said, well, it makes sense. It's lumber. Uh, get your copier copies now, because uh, I don't know what it's going to look like when the holidays are here. I'm just being perfectly honest about it. All right, let us go to Robert, Los Angeles, California, XM Satellite. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Thanks for all you do for, uh, for all the dedicated uh, American patriots out there. Thank you, sir. Um, I just wanted to, uh, this John Gruden thing, um, you know, the first thing that popped out at me uh, was that the utter hypocrisy of the NFL, again, once again, um, you know, uh, the standard at which they hold the players to is a totally different standard than they hold um, everyone else to as far as coaching staffs. Um, if they're not politically correct with their, you know, look at John Gruden, right? The guy's always been the same guy. He's always been, he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, you know, he probably should have had a lot more professional awareness. Uh, and, you know, he should know that basically anything that you communicate 
electronically or on paper is not a private conversation. Um, right. But it's just, you know, it's... If the NFL and by the way, he wasn't even in football then. He wasn't coaching or anything else. No excuse. I'm just pointing out what took place. And and the players are what? What's your What's the hypocrisy? Well, you've got a lot of players that have uh, are felons. Um, you know, uh, some of them are multi felons, several felonies. Now, some of know, them have beat the hell out of their wives or significant others. Well, there's a, if you look it up, and you can look it up by year, there's a number of charges. Uh, all the charges will show up for every player, and it'll show you if it's domestic violence, if it's drugs, if it's DUI, whatever. So your, your point is, if you're going to have a standard, then apply it to everybody. Don't don't apply it to some and not to others. Is that your point? Absolutely. If you're going to have a value system, stick to that value system no matter what. Mm-hmm. What is their standard? Well, you know, I don't think, you know, I, I might be different than a lot of people, but I think that different different professions have different levels of expectations. But, I mean, if they put out a public standard? I, I mean, I, I don't know, you know that I the NFL know has. I, know yeah, that, I don't I don't either. Be curious to know. All right, excellent call, my friend. We're going to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. I appreciate that. Uh, let us continue. That was Robert. Let's go to Dan in Houston, Texas, on the Mark Levin app. Dan, how are you? Mr. Levin, uh, doing good. I hope you are, too. Yes, sir. Thank you. An honor and privilege to speak with you. I'd, I'd like to first go ahead and say my heart goes out to Mr. Smith and his daughter. They, Nobody in our country should have to live with what he's, they're going through. Exactly. Um, the main reason I called, though, was, uh, you know, I've seen Nancy Pelosi claiming that the IRS needs to go after all these $600 transactions and so forth. And uh, I understand you've had a few uh, encounters with the IRS over the years. Uh, just uh, not personally with uh, with Landmark Legal Foundation. We've duped it out in litigation with them, but not me personally. Okay, well, I, I know you're familiar with them, and I'm, I'm hoping that there might be one or two uh, honest, true patriot IRS officials out there in the country. And uh, why don't we go ahead and start with one of the probably the most horrendous uh, uh, lawbreakers as far as uh, their... Uh, I'm going to have to run because of the music, but I have an idea. How about they look at Nancy Pelosi's taxes? I have a better idea. How about we all look at Nancy Pelosi's taxes? If if Donald Trump's taxes are uh, for the public square, why aren't the Speaker of the House, who has such enormous control over the budget and spending and borrowing and legislation, third in line to be president? I think her taxes should be made public. We'll send you a book, too. We'll be right back. Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. Well, you've probably heard this about uh, Kamala Harris. Child actors, I mean, she's such a fraud. They're trying to figure out how to make her seem like 
I don't know, personable, competent. But you could tell something wasn't right. It all just seemed so bogus. Cut 19, go. Kamala Harris is the vice president of the United States, but she's also the president of the Senate and the head of the Space Council. Welcome, you guys. Thank you so much. Welcome. Ready to start? Okay, go. So I may not always be fast to take my parents' advice, but what is the best advice your parents have given you that perhaps you can share with us today? You know, one of the most important pieces of advice that I can offer you guys, and I want you to really remember this, never let anybody tell you who you are. You tell them who you are. Mm-hmm. Never tell anybody who you are. You tell them who you are. Yes, and who are you, Kamala Harris? Have we ever had a worse leadership in Washington, D.C. than this? Certainly in modern times. Seriously. You've got Joe Biden, who's just an absolute disaster on every single level. And then you have Kamala Harris, who's the same thing. The same thing. And honestly, you look at Nancy Pelosi. She's a crazy, evil lady. She just is. She's a crazy, evil lady. With her hands darting around and her eyeballs. She doesn't blink, whatever she's doing there. That's why I call her stretch. It's quite obvious. Her eyes are popping out of her head. Sometimes I call her Eva, for obvious reasons, too. She was using the phrase stormtrooper, so I thought, well... If the boots fit, you know. But what a crowd. Just just preposterous. All right, Mr. Producer, to whom shall I speak? You have the list there. XM Satellite, Lake Park, Iowa. Brandon, how are you, Brandon? Good to talk to you, Mr. Levin. I'm just fine. How are you? Well, let me just say, let's go Brandon, right? Yes. You like that, right? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think I so. I understand it, and yes. I, I, I approve 100%. I'm with you, brother. So, Go right ahead. Um, you, talk, you talk about kids being kids uh, when your uh, anthem came on at 5 o'clock our time. Um, my daughter put her hand to her heart here in the combine sitting next to me. It uh, made me feel pretty good. Might be uh, might be teaching her the right way. How old is she? But uh, uh, She's 15. Just turned 15. Isn't that wonderful? And you're on a combine, yeah. so yeah. you're in the middle of the field. Yep, we're harvesting right now, doing corn harvest. What What are you harvesting? Corn. Corn. Man, I love corn. I'm a corn guy. <laughs> yeah, the weather's been pretty good. We're going to get some rain tonight, so we're trying to get a little bit more knocked out before the rain comes. So, um, yeah. You know, you were talking about shortages earlier in the lumber, uh, lumber supply. We were told coming into fall that... Um, you know, some of the parts at the, at like your John Deere shops or case, I don't, I guess I don't want to mark it, right. but um, things might be, things might be hard to come by this fall. And I, uh, I, I did have my combine in the shop there for, for part of a day here the other day. And luckily they had the parts, but um, there's been, there's been some concern over that. And, uh, you know, we like to say we're kind of, we're not immune in the Midwest, but we, uh, you know, we don't always get the impact of some of the real world things going on in the East or West Coast, but. It's really hitting here, you know. I also drive truck, and uh, there's loads not getting covered out here. Got brokers just looking for trucks, getting pretty desperate looking for loads, and you know it just all kind of ties hand in hand. So, 
you know, it, it's it's hitting out here pretty hard. And it, it's it know. is it is frightening because um, you have a situation here. We have inflation, and inflation is going to get worse because they want to spend a whole lot more. And keep in mind, even these trillion-dollar bills they've passed, they haven't spent it all. So this hurts the currency. This hurts whatever your earnings are. The value goes down. Inflation's up 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 percent. That reduces the, uh, the value of the currency. So $1,000 is not $1,000 anymore. They're driving up the cost of fuel, as I'm sure you know, uh, because uh, they want to turn us into uh, Europe, I guess. And, you, of course, uh, Europe is going to freeze this winter. Or they want to turn us into California with brownouts and blackouts. And they want more and more uh, vehicles, um, you know, gas uh, uh, using machines, lawnmowers and, and blowers and so forth, uh, using electricity. And we don't have the electricity to handle it. And, of course, electricity comes from natural gas and coal and other sources of, uh, of power. And uh, they don't even believe in... Uh, well, and you don't... Yeah. Go ahead. You don't get... You don't get renewable energy without burning fossil fuel. I mean, we've got windmills up here, and You're right. we've got a windmill group um, just outside of our community that they've taken the windmills down, I think, three times since they put them up in less than 10 years. And the carbon footprint, the materials they've had to haul in, the trucks that have had to run up down the roads, they've had to rebuild a lot of the gravel roads around here just to handle the, the payload and whatnot. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fraud. Crazy, you know, and it is. It, it really is. I mean, I, I'm about... I, I, I'm okay with conservation. We try to do our best out here, but at some point, you know, you're how contradictory can you be when it comes to what's you know, when you talk carbon footprints just to have a little green energy and and I, I don't know. I'm And and, and we're pressuring we're pressuring Saudi Arabia and OPEC to produce more oil for us. Now how stupid is that? And the and the communist Chinese are now using more coal uh because uh they have shortages of uh, fossil fuels now. Uh, we were energy independent until Joe Biden took over, and uh, we've shut down rigs. We've shut down any new drilling on federal land, and the federal government controls almost 30 percent of the uh, of the United States, the land in the United States, and a lot of it is 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 used for uh, mining minerals and uh, and, and uh, also drilling for uh, for oil and natural gas and so forth. And uh, and they shut it. These are people who have no experience whatsoever. Whether it's farming or ranching, whether it's an assembly line, whether it's as a small business or a large business, these people haven't done any of this. And so they just sit there with their ideology. They say climate change is an existential threat. No, it's not. You can't even define it. The hell is it? Anyway. Well, what, I, what I don't understand, what I don't understand is how they, like, like my truck, for example, it has to burn more fuel to make cleaner air. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, mm-hmm. so well, the listen. economy suffers because the but, good thing is you'll never go hungry because you're a farmer. And that's a good thing. Uh, and uh, I want to thank you for your excellent call. And do not hang up. I want to send you a signed copy also of, uh, of American Marxism. I appreciate it. I don't think I've ever had a farmer call me while he's harvesting. Have we? I don't think so. All right, let's slip in one more right now. Jack, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Jack, go right ahead, please. Oh. 
Yep. Hello, yep. Mr. Levin. You know, I was I was brought up. I first want to say I was brought up with all my with my morals from my parents, and they taught me whenever I see a police officer or a firefighter or an, a military soldier, that I tell them thank you for your service. So what I like to say to you is thank you for your service. You, you don't understand what you do for this country every day by informing us. Well, thank you. I'm definitely not one of those great heroes, and I was brought up the same way. But thank you very much, my friend. But you, but you're you're their voice, sir. You are their voice. And I know that because I've spoken to a lot of them, and they say how much they appreciate what you do for them. Well, I'm honored. What's up? Also, what I would like what I would like to say is, yeah, um, this this whole thing with this uh, critical race theory, you know, what they're trying to do is also with this trillion dollar bill, this American Marxism. You put it in the best words possible. Uh, you know, this 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 trillion dollar bills. You know, one of the reasons why the founding fathers. One of the biggest reasons why the founding fathers made our country is because they had a saying, taxation without representation is tyranny. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to put our grandkids and our great-grandkids in debt, trillions of dollars, because they're in the mood. You know, this government is really, it's it's gotten sick. And then they try to tell you that the teachers know better for, for the children and the parents. You know, anyone who knows what a parent's love for a child is will tell you right away, these teachers don't know anything. This critical race theory, what, what do they think? They, they, they're going to teach, you know, if I would have been brought up with critical race theory, thank God my parents shielded me from it. But if I would have been brought up like that, I don't know what I would be doing. I, 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 would, I would probably be also in jail. But, you know, I live in New York, so I'd probably be let out the next day. <laughs> okay. But you make a great point. Um, they're stealing wealth that's yet been created from future generations. And those future generations have absolutely no say. No saying what's happening to them and no saying what's going to happen. That's a very, very important point, Jack. And so they're easy, to, easy targets. And so what this American Marxism is, is this, it's, it is not only an attack on the existing culture and governmental and economic systems, but it's an attack on future generations. And this is why if you're a parent and you're voting for people like this, you must really dislike your kids because that's exactly what's happening. I'm sorry. I have no better way to put it than that. And you make an excellent point, Jack, that all these generations yet born and the wealth yet created, they don't have taxation with representation. And their parents and grandparents, in many cases, don't give a damn about it. Certainly the politicians don't because they're stealing from them. And they're going to have to live with this. They're going to have to live with the consequences of these massive debts. And then you have... This party, the Democrat Party, starting at the top, but all of them, including people in the media, the New York Times, saying it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything. And they, and, they, and, they, and they lie to themselves, and they expect us all to buy in, but we don't. Jack, excellent call. Don't hang up. We're going to send you a signed American Marxism. I'll be right back. Mark in. Mayorkas is the Secretary of uh, Homeland Security, but he doesn't believe in Homeland Security. Uh, he just issued an order to ICE to stop worksite raids and latest limits on immigration enforcement. So illegal aliens working illegally, um, there are to be no more raids. These people are f- breaking existing immigration law. Breaking existing immigration law. I, 
I, I got to watch my mouth. I'm so pissed off. You have no idea. The lawlessness, the attack on teachers, the open borders, the try to destroy our economic system, our constitutional system. These rat finks, they're, they're out of the cage. They are all... They are all over the place like cockroaches pushing their agenda. Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, the whole damn bunch of them. This isn't hype. I don't need to hype. I don't need to hype. There's a shortage of lumber. The price is going way up, meaning paper products, meaning books. In the next few months... You're going to see the difficulty. You're going to see on Amazon books out of stock and stuff like that. That's what I am told. And so if you want to get your hard copy of American Marxism for Christmas, for Hanukkah, or for now, or for somebody to give it to them, you've been thinking about it, uh, you want to be the the Paul Revere and hand it out, you should get it now. You can get it, obviously, at Amazon.com or any major retail store while they last. I'm not kidding. This is serious business. What's going on in this country is appalling. It's absolutely shocking. Now, Joe Biden has apparently entered into some kind of a compact with like 130 or 40 countries to have this minimum global tax of 15%. Uh, Under the PAC, 20% of profits above 10% margin would be siphoned off for tax authorities in participating countries. Now, what's the problem with this, ladies and gentlemen? What's the problem with this? It's 136 countries agreed to implement the plan. You need a treaty. Joe Biden can't just enter into a, a global tax plan that covers American corporations. You need a treaty, just like you needed a treaty for the Iran deal. But Bob Corker, who was a lousy senator, and McConnell, lousy senator, the Republics, went along with Obama and screwed around. And so did Sass, by the way, Mr. Constitution, blew up big time. That's why I don't talk to him anymore. Way back when, when he screwed up, big time. You need a constitutional treaty, the participation of the United States Senate before you can enter into this kind of a global tax arrangement that covers Americans and American corporations. You can't just do this yourself as President of the United States. Be bad enough if he bypassed entire Congress, need a statute. But here, it's a higher standard. It's a treaty. And it's a super-duper majority for a treaty. And he won't get a super-duper majority for a treaty. So if he tries to implement this, the first individual or business that they try to apply this tax to, they should bring a federal constitutional challenge. To all this stuff, to all this stuff that the Democrats and Biden are trying to do to us. Like a parent at a school board meeting, the first time we should all get together, raise the funds to bring a federal constitutional challenge. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thanks to all of you for being here. I will see you tomorrow. Again, if you've been thinking about getting a hard copy of American Marxism, you ought to get it now. See you tomorrow. Take care.